This is the Trophy Room, a.k.a. Trophy Room Radio. I am your host, Brett Hammer, wherever you are on this Monday. Thanks for making me part of your day. Coming up, it is a show full of football only today, including the College Football Hunger Games, whether or not Andrew Luck will be a Hall of Famer, and are the Rams really in talks to draft Caleb Williams? That is all coming up. But you all know it is way too hard to buy quality graphic tees today. You look it up, and all you get is these sketchy third-party products. None of it's real. Fortunately, Game Changers is throwing a wrench into all of that. You can head over to GameChanger.LA and use promo code HAMMERTIME23 to get all your favorite NFL, NBA teams, players, as well as rappers, other singers, TV shows, movies, pretty much any graphic tee that you could want. GameChanger.LA has it. You can use promo code HAMMERTIME23, capital H, two, three, $10 off. Shoutouts. Guys, I am still obsessed with Survivor. I guess I shouldn't say still obsessed because I just started being obsessed last week. Cranked through season 21. Like the last 21 seasons are on Hulu. Um, Country singer Chase Rice is on season 21. So I went ahead and watched it. And if if, if you're like me and you made it this long without watching Survivor, I... Highly, highly recommend. I know a lot of people don't love reality television, but to me, it's peak S tier. It is the best that you could possibly get. It's almost less of reality TV and more of a social experiment. It's so fun to watch. I I can't recommend it enough. So now I'm watching season 41 or 42. I can't remember, but. Somehow the show was constantly changing. They're still putting it out like it's hot. So it's a lot of fun to watch. Go ahead and watch Survivor on Hulu. Not a paid promotion at all, even though they want to pay me. They go right ahead. U.S. Women's Team eliminated this week. Let's give a slow clap. Um, I feel bad because I think a lot of... Like, there's... All of those women deserve respect as human beings they deserve an an extra level of respect for being at the top of their game but some of them lose us a little bit because their message is just annoying and sometimes downright stupid so to all of the women who made it there congratulations um work to do and those of us that don't love the message of some of y'all We won't rope you all together, but we will just divide and uh, you've been conquered. So there's that. Okay, this is probably the biggest story in sports right now, if you had to ask me. What is going on in college football? So it's fun going to BYU, working for BYU. And we get the notification almost two years ago that BYU is in talks to become a member of the Big 12, which is fun because this is different from everyone else. BYU had been independent for so long for a number of reasons, but now they get to finally call a conference home. And not only is it any conference, but it's probably the third best conference in college football, if not trying to rise its way to the top and take the number one, maybe number two spot. 
But that was cool for BYU. What's happening now is different. And honestly, I would argue what happened with Colorado was a little bit different. In Colorado, you have this situation with Deion Sanders, who's a total wild card. Bouncing from team, from high school, then to college, and then from FCS to FBS. Then he gets to this FBS team at Colorado, and he just basically tells everybody to set sail and brings in his own crew. The transfer portal is a buzz. And Dion is very much... Uh, he's a conqueror. He goes where he wants and does what he wants. And he's built up the hype at a program that no one has cared about in years. So good for him. But he was a wild card. And now it feels like the Pac-12 may fall apart completely as far as college athletics goes. And the ACC, some people are saying, is next. But here's what's different with the Pac-12. So as of today, the Pac-12 in 2024, 25, will be down to four teams. Um, I mean, you guys know me. You know I'm a firm believer that nothing just happens out of random. Things typically come in patterns. They don't just one day explode. And with the Pac-12, that is true. The Pac-12 has always been disorganized. It's always been um, too much risk for not enough reward. I have people who have worked in and around the Pac-12 and they'll tell you that it's a little disorganized. And I'm not taking shots at anybody there, but some places, some workplace environments are more organized than others. And with the Pac-12, it just wasn't organized. And it might not have been completely on George Klyovkov, but he didn't fix it once he got there. This whole thing started because the Pac-12, A, is based in a lack of organization. But on top of that, they couldn't get a media deal done. And if you can't pay your employees, why wouldn't they stay when your rival employer comes knocking? I mean, that's basically what this came down to. And it's awesome to have a great relationship with your employer. But when your employer says, hey, this business is struggling. We can't pay you right now and we're not sure when we're going to be able to. Who's staying there? Unless you firmly believe this company has always done right by you. Which, spoiler alert, they have not. And therefore, Washington, Oregon said, hey, we're leaving. USC, UCLA already have left. Colorado left, and then Utah, ASU, Arizona, they're all gone. Which, the sequence of how we got to this point is interesting, because Thursday, the assumption was Arizona was already gone. And that Utah, Arizona State were looking at the possibility, but Utah probably wasn't going to go. And then Oregon, Washington, they were in talks. We wake up Friday morning and the story is, no, the Pac-12 has circled the wagons. Everybody's coming back except for Arizona. And then five hours later, whatever pulled everybody back slipped out. Which is wild, 
crazy. Every adjective pull out the thesaurus because Wilde doesn't begin to describe what happened. What nobody's talking about and what I want to know is what was said because I was producing BYU Sports Nation Friday morning and the story going in was, okay, we're going to talk about Arizona coming and possibly Arizona State and Utah coming. And then we got all this news from Pete Thamel, Brett McMurphy, these other insiders saying, well, it looks like everybody's going to stay together. So that's the information we went with. That's what ran. And then hours later, that's not what happened. What Owen's talking about is what happened that pulled everybody back together for the span of two hours. Because the deal was reportedly going to come out on Thursday. And basically, they came to the, the, the teams in question with, okay, actually, we don't have a whole lot for you other than Apple is the location where we would be streamed. And it would be incentive-based, predicated on how many people subscribe to Apple TV+. And there are so many ways that we can go with this. We could talk about what, how bad this is for college athletics. We can talk about how excited or, or upset some BYU-Utah fans are. We can talk about how close are we really to super teams. And to me, that's the most important story I'm a guy, I want to know the beginning of the story, the end of the story, and then I can place the pieces the rest of the way. If I have both pieces of information. I'm also the type of guy where I like to get things done, I like things finished. And so, I hate to be the guy who tells you that Iron Man dies at the end of Infinity, or at the end of Endgame. But I just, I want to be at super conferences already. Look, you have it in pro sports. You have an East and West. You have an NFC and AFC. You have an AL and you have an NL. I mean, we know that's where it's headed. Why can't we just have it already? And I get, you got to go through the necessary steps to get there. You don't meet the girl date one and marry her the next day. I know. Stories have to take their progression. I'm not a super patient guy. I like to work things. I like to get them done. But I think that's where we're going. And and I'm fine with that because... Not because I think that's what's best for the sport or what's best for the fans. But because in my heart, I've given up the fight. I've accepted this is where we're going. And we have no control. Here's what I will say. College football has looked uh, very similar in all of the best ways for the last 100 years. With all of the rivalries intact and all these conferences having been the same way for a while. and Now that's going to change in a huge way. Because you're basically going to go to a Premier League of college football. And when I say Premier League, I'm talking about European soccer where the best teams have their own league. That's where this thing is headed. And it's because of money. I don't know what power we have as fans, and that's why to me I look at this and it doesn't bother me that super conferences are somewhere in the near future. Because I don't think there's anything we can do to stop it. 
Um, as more news comes out this week, we'll talk about it. Hopefully hit it on Wednesday. But I did just want to walk you guys through everything and where we are at as of today. Alright, so this was an interesting story that I heard, that I've read. I don't know how much it's circulating the internet. I heard it first from Colin Cowherd. Colin Cowherd heard it from Bucky Brooks. He said he's heard it from other people around. Um, the bad news is, when the LA Rams went in, they went in hard. And what I mean by that is, they went to a Super Bowl against the Patriots, which was an incredible game, and they lost. And then they went in against the Joe Burrow Bengals and pulled one out. But they gave up virtually all of their future to do so. They gave up all of their first-round draft picks nearly for years. Because their philosophy was in L.A., let's get proven commodities now. And fool everyone else into taking our unknown commodity, which would be draft picks, which is smart. The problem is your stars are old. Bobby Wagner's old. Jalen Ramsey's gone. Aaron Donald, not getting any younger. Matt Stafford, love him. Same deal, not getting any younger. Cooper Cup, took a while to come into his prime. Hurt. Allen Robinson, I'm not even sure if he's there anymore. And if he is, I promise you he has no effect on the outcome of the season. So this report from Brucky Brooks is that if the Rams struggle this year, they're trying to draft a quarterback in the first round. Which means the Rams could be buying in on the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Which sucks because... Matt Stafford had a magical season. A season that I think if he doesn't have, to me that one season is what uh, keeps him in or out of the Hall of Fame. To me, if you're a quarterback, you almost have to have a Super Bowl to get into the Hall of Fame. I think what Matt Stafford, what Matt Stafford did in Detroit for so many years with so little to work with and so much dysfunction to play off of, it's incredible, but it's not enough to get you into the Hall of Fame. I would argue that a Super Bowl does that. So finding out that the Rams may or may not be going for a quarterback in round one doesn't really shock you when you realize this team is not what it was three years ago. They did not get any younger at all. But that makes this quarterback draft... Really fun. For a couple of reasons. Number one, all the scouts love the draft. For whatever reason, everyone in the media will tell you um, there is, there's three drafts like this a decade. This is one of them. you got Quinn Ewers at Texas, Caleb Williams at USC, Drake May at UNC, and Michael Panix at, Michael Panix at UW. I got a couple observations to make like this. Some we've talked about. Some we'll talk about more as we watch this season play out. But can someone please explain to me how Caleb Williams is different than Johnny Mansell? Other than this is what I'll give you. I'll give you this. 
Caleb Williams has a bigger arm than Johnny Manziel. I don't know that it's like 50 to 100 bigger, but it's certainly 75 to 100 bigger, which Johnny Manziel was what it was. We know Johnny Manziel is maybe the most unforgettable college football player of my lifetime. But I posted that on on Instagram and I had some people come at me with, well, Johnny Manziel had maybe the greatest receiver in the history of the SEC and Mike Williams. And I would say to you, Caleb Williams can go out and get whatever receiver he wants. And he did. I don't know if you remember this, but Lincoln Riley went out and got Jordan Addison last year. Lincoln Riley got whoever he wanted out of the transfer portal on offense. And then, oh yeah, don't give me the Johnny Manziel had this, Caleb Williams didn't have that. Lincoln Riley is exhibit A of elite, incredible, stupid, talented college quarterbacks who do nothing in the National Football League. And I would also submit to you, you remember the Utah game, that Pac-12 championship? Caleb Williams had what painted on his nails? F Utah. I would argue that Caleb Williams is closer to Johnny Manziel than he is to Patrick Mahomes. Here's why. To me, Caleb Williams and Patrick Mahomes' careers are flipped. Nobody talked about Patrick Mahomes in college. Why? Because he was doing everything with no direction. Patrick Mahomes had no one to teach him the game of football. You know what I'm saying? Patrick Mahomes had Cliff Kingsbury. Now he has Andy Reid. Caleb Williams now has Andy Reid in Lincoln Riley. Unless he goes to the Rams, he's going to get a Cliff Kingsbury. Someone who doesn't allow him to play. I mean, again, we are acting like Caleb Williams is John Elway and that he's going to go to the NFL and it's just going to work. I think the hard part is we see people be successful and we say, oh, that's the future. Thought Deshaun Watson was the future. How's that panning out? To me, guys, all-time greatness doesn't necessarily come from one method. A lot of times, especially when you look at guys like Brady and Mahomes. Brady had Belichick. Mahomes had Reed. Go down the line. Great coaches, great stars, great success. Now, Caleb Williams gets a a top five offensive coordinator in this league. He gets a Sean McVay. Sure, I'll hear it out. But unless that happens, Williams will end up being closer to Johnny Manziel than he is to Patrick Mahomes. Speaking of guys with a little dysfunctionality in the personality. Ooh! Bars. We had the Hall of Fame game last week. Guys, I don't know if you realize this, but the Hall of Fame game last year got more viewers than any NBA playoff game that same year. Not the NBA, not including the NBA Finals. So people love this, which goes to show you a couple things. A, the football is better than you want to admit that it is. And B, 
football is easily the best sport, which I know, you know, but I just have to admit it, and I just have to say it out loud because it feels so good to have football on the verge of being back. We got three more Saturdays till college football. Shout out to that. But we had the Hall of Fame game on Thursday. And the biggest story wasn't really any starter on the New York Jets because Aaron Rodgers isn't playing. But you know who did? Zach Wilson. Who didn't get near as much playing time as his backups. He did go 3-for-5 with a 57-yard pass, which was a bomb. He also had two incompletions that were less than intelligent. Here's the deal. Some people, I mean, there's talent. They say talent doesn't grow on trees, but I would argue that it does. What doesn't grow on trees is guys with talent that also work hard and can be accountable for their actions. That does not grow on trees. That's not common. But talent, to me, that's pretty common. The problem becomes some people are wildly talented, but they can't figure out how to match their talent to the environment. Like, off the field, they're great. But for some reason, when they get in the moment, their head goes blank. I mean, look, this happened to me Saturday night. I was doing my open full on BYU TV and ESPN Plus for women's soccer. And for whatever reason, I had the talent. I had the preparation. My brain just blanked. Sometimes you can work through that. Sometimes it's just because you're early in the game. But other times, it's because... That's just the way things are. Zach Wilson, to me, is Aaron Rodgers. He just can't figure out how to put the talent on the field. Because look at it. They're both prickly. They both come from smaller West Coast programs. Both of them have wildly talented arms. But for some reason, the communication just isn't there. So if I were to guess what the plan is in New York, seems to me the Jets got fooled into taking Zach Wilson way too high. Now what they have to do is make it look like they're prepping Zach for something bigger. Aaron Rodgers boosts the stock of Zach Wilson until somebody else says, you know what, this guy's a first-round pick. Learn from Aaron Rodgers. Maybe we want to trade for him. All right. I know this story is going to hurt a lot of people. A lot of people who listen to this show. We just had the Hall of Fame game, which I feel like most a lot of people don't know. I was watching with Jaden, and Jaden said, why is it called the Hall of Fame game? None of these guys are going to be in the Hall of Fame. And I said... That is ironic. None of these guys who are playing this game will probably be in the Hall of Fame. Aaron Rodgers didn't play. Um, The reason it's called the Hall of Fame game is because the game is played in Canton, Ohio, right before Saturday when the the, the class is inducted into the Hall of Fame. Guess who is up to be a Hall of Famer next year? Andrew Luck. And the question is, will Andrew Luck ever be a Hall of Famer, let alone be a first balloter. Let's pose the question like this. If they made a movie 
or a TV show. Let's say they made a TV show about the entire National Football League, a Friday Night Lights, if you will, where this isn't a documentary. This is a show with the most compelling stories, the most compelling people. Who would be in it? What great moments would tell the story of that league? And and as a player trying to go into the Hall of Fame, were you a part of creating them? I would argue that as far as signature moments in the National Football League, not overall greatness, but signature moments, I'd argue just from the highlights alone, Odell Beckham has more of those than Andrew Luck. Odo Beckham's catch against the Cowboys, to me, is more emphatic than any single signature moment, signature highlight that Andrew Luck had. I love Andrew Luck. I think Andrew Luck is the greatest what-if, and if not the greatest, a top three what-if in all of sports. Andrew Luck, to me, speaks... More to the dysfunctionality of Jim Irsay as an owner, but take that for what you will. That's a separate topic for a separate day. Andrew Luck's up for the Hall of Fame next year. And if they made a show about the entire National Football League, they would skip over Andrew Luck's story. It would not be told. Now, they may mention it in passing as one of the greatest what-ifs, but Andrew Luck's story does not tell the story of the National Football League. Unfortunately. Because I gotta be honest with you, as a non-Indianapolis Colts fan, and I know that we have quite a few Colts fans listening, the only me- the only truly sensational game that I remember, not to say that he didn't have them, but that I remember years later from Andrew Locke, is that Kansas City Chiefs comeback. Where Jamal, Jamal Jamal Charles ran the rock like crazy. You had the play where two-yard line, goal line punch in. Ball gets popped out. Andrew Luck picks it up. Superman's into the end zone. Andrew Luck was incredible. I probably remember just as many of his Stanford highlights as I do his NFL highlights. And I know what you want to say. Well, people say that Eli Manning could be a Hall of Famer. True, but Eli Manning also has two Super Bowls. Eli Manning also played in twice as many playoff games as Andrew Luck. Pro Football Reference. They have a metric that predicts whether or not guys will make it into the Hall of Fame. Pro Football Reference's Hall of Fame monitor gives Eli Manning, a score of 85.01. That is the 21st among quarterbacks. The average Hall of Fame quarterback has a score of 103.58. Andrew Luck. His Hall of Fame monitor score. And again, this is just a score. This is an arbitrary score. But Andrew Luck was given a 34.38. Not because Andrew Luck wasn't great. But because as far as the metrics that we have to work with, all we have is comeback player of the year and a four-time Pro Bowler. And four playoff wins. It's not that I don't believe in Andrew Luck. 
I think Andrew Luck's the greatest what if. However, what ifs do not give you, get you into the Hall of Fame. And while he may have been more dynamic than Eli Manning, Eli Manning has two Super Bowls and two Super Bowl MVPs. And most of the Hall of Fame metrics will tell you he outranks Andrew Luck. So when Eli Manning gets in, then we can have a conversation about whether or not Andrew Luck deserves to get in. But as of today, I don't know that he will. All right. Yet another thing that I heard from Colin Cowherd that I've learned from reading about the Cowboys. Reports are the Dallas Cowboys want to take more off of Dak's plate to make this offense more Dak-centric, to make it easier for Dak to run and facilitate. Interesting. Um, we all have different roles that we play in life. Some of us are role players. Some of us are stars. Uh, life's a movie. Some of us have main character energy. Some some of us have... have um, What's the name of the guy from Spider-Man? Ned. Some of us have sidekick energy. Some of us are role players. However, you want to be treated like a role player. Uh, you want to be treated like a main character. You want to be paid like a main character. You get the accountability that comes with being a main character. So Dak Prescott, a couple years ago, all he wants is to get paid the most money of anyone in the National Football League. If you want to get paid like the top guy, we get to expect you to play like it. And we also get to hold it against you when you don't. So my question is, if Cooper Rush can play in this offense, why can't Dak? Because if you want to argue to me, well, Dak does everything he can. And the defense just lets him down. I don't buy that. You go against some of the best teams in the league last year. The defense held up their end of the bargain. So the problem isn't that the defense can't put Dak in position to win games. Because Dak did everything to lose that game against the 49ers. In, in, including Dak turnovers that gave most of these games away. Dak gets in his own way. Dak Prescott is not worth paying. Uh, this is my whole argument with San Francisco 49ers. Almost anyone can play in this offense. In San Francisco. So if you find a guy who can't play in it, you know they can't play. Brock Purdy can play in this offense. Now, Brock Purdy's an adult. Brock Purdy is not spectacular. What it tells you is Trey Lance can't play. And I think the same is true here. If Cooper Rush can play, average, that tells you that Dak is not... If Dak can't play and Cooper Rush kind of can then why is there such a great pay discrepancy? And I'm not arguing that they're the same quarterback. 
but I'm arguing they're a lot more similar than um, Dak Prescott is to Patrick Mahomes. If you know Cooper Rush could kind of play in this offense, Dak can't 1,000% play, they may be closer than you would like to admit. So, it just makes it hard to pay you when they have to say, we we want to not put Dak in position to make mistakes. Those exact same positions also allow Dak to put your franchise on the map. That is what it is. The greats don't ask the ball to be taken out of their hands. The greats take accountability when they lose and step up when they're needed. And unfortunately, Dak, I don't want to say conned, but Dak is what Dak's always been. Average to very good. Not great. Not top 10. When things go well, Dak can hang. When crap hits the fan, Dak is a liability. And also, just as a side note, if you didn't have to pay Dak so much, you might be able to afford Zach Martin. You might have been able to keep Zeke if you wanted to. You might be able to keep Micah and Trayvon Diggs when those contracts are up. And if Dak doesn't play well this year, there's going to be serious talk about whether or not he is the future in Big D. Guys, thank you so much for hanging out tonight. I really appreciate it. Or this morning or whenever you're getting to this. Um, I told you bonus trophies, which is the new interviews that we're going to start doing. That would come out last Friday. It is not. We're going to hopefully have that up this Friday. We talked to the creator of the DB Slam League, which is... Uh, one of these these new leagues where it's a rec league where these guys are playing on an eight-foot rim, so everybody's dunking, and it's a lot of fun. It was a great conversation. We talked about basketball. We talked about business. We talked about just hard work and mentalities, philosophies as a whole. So look forward to that conversation dropping for you guys hopefully soon. We will talk on Wednesday. Cheers. Woo.